So, Rachel. Yeah. In the throes of his pond far mating period, Spock must return to Vulcan to meet his intended future wife, betrothed from childhood. Ooh. What do you think you're going to get? How can they justify taking a ship of 300 plus people to Vulcan just so Spock can have sex? (laughs) (laughs) Did they know about this mating season when they recruited him? And have they factored that into the five-year mission? Uh, No, is the answer to that. (laughs) I expect we're going to see a backed-up Spock, which might involve extremely competitive 3D chess and a bit of pacing about. So we're going to see Vulcan, mm-hmm. a planet of poor-faced Vulcans earnestly doing it behind closed doors. No public displays of affection, surely. <laughs> How can he have had a fiancé this whole time? An arranged marriage, I'm guessing? Uh-huh. Logical, perhaps, but not if you're on a five-year space mission when you suddenly need to have sex. Yeah. I imagine a futuristic, kind of sleek, minimalist planet. Mm. What will they wear? We've seen Spock as the Vulcan trader in Errand of Mercy with smock, tights and cape. Yes! Will Kirk get some of those too? Woo! (laughs) If we're lucky. Rachel watches Star Trek. Sounds I'm a busy man. Jim. When I suggested to Spock that it was time for his routine checkup, your logical, unemotional first officer turned to me and said, you will cease to pry into my personal matters, doctor, or I shall certainly break your neck. Spock said that? What is this? Prying. Ah! If I want anything from you, I'll ask for it. Eek. Whoa, Spock is shooting out the tude. Ooh, yeah. But we ain't, we being Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you're listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. And this week's episode is A Mock Time, the first of the second season. We did it. Woohoo, we're here. We're in the second season of Star Trek. And I would like to talk about one of our sponsors. Oh, yeah. Let's go visit La Belle Esplanade. Ooh, one of New Orleans' finest hotels. I checked out their blog again today. Oh, yeah. Which some have said is the best written blog in New Orleans. Of course. It says it's foolish to say that all of New Orleans' important moments happen in bar rooms, though it may seem that way to the person making that statement. (laughs) Epiphanies unfold day and night. This is a 24-hour city and the city is more than just music clubs and bars. New Orleans is a safari park. New Orleans is a hothouse botanical garden in which the plants grow big and lush and lizards scamper at the slightest sound. Very poetic. Definitely check out the La Belle Esplanade blog at labelleesplanade.com. On to our story. We begin in the corridor outside of Spock's quarters. Kirk climbs up a ladder to get there. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I didn't know that they can do that. If you're only going up one floor, that's much more efficient than getting in the lift, getting <laughs> the doors closed, going up, all that. Good. Uh, as we heard there in the beginning, McCoy tells Kirk that Spock has not been eating and seems strange and restless. Kirk brushes it off as one of Spock's contemplative phases, but McCoy is concerned. Oh, that's nice. This is going to be a better McCoy season, isn't it? I think so. Hmm. So Sidewig is back. Nurse Chapel. With a pretty reasonable blonde wig this time. Yeah. Hmm. And she tries to sneak off when she sees Kirk and McCoy. Sheepishly, she agrees she has made Vulcan pie o soup for Spock. You never give up hoping, says McCoy. 
she presses the button and enters Spock's bedroom without knocking, of course. Yeah. And she's immediately thrown out, followed by her soup, which hits the wall. Yeah. Man, what a great start to the episode and to season two. Yeah. Then we go into the theme music. Has it changed? I don't think so. I feel like the singer's really going for it more now. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure, but no, I, I didn't notice any changes. She's uh, under. <laughs> so Kirk questions Spock. Spock is still angry and snappy. Kirk says that he never wanted to go on leave before. Spock says, so I have plenty left. I want to do it. But he won't tell Kirk why and we can see that spock has a knife behind his back yeah there's some tension in this scene Eek. it's pretty good what is going on kirk orders the enterprise to vulcan a message comes in commanding kirk to change course to altair 6 for a presidential inauguration which has been pushed forward now if you're inviting guests from other solar systems you really need to stick to the save the date you've sent out <laughs> True. Yeah. So who's that next to Sulu in the silly man wig? <laughs> that is uh, Chekhov. Oh, he's finally shown up. He's finally shown up. The thing is with the wig is that they hired him because the Beatles were all the rage and mm. the monkeys, the TV show, was yeah. all the rage. Right. And they wanted to kind of appeal to the younger demographic. <laughs> okay. So they hired him because he kind of looks like Davy Jones from the Monkees. Oh. But he had shorter hair. And so until he could grow it out, they have him in a wig. <laughs> and it is a terrible wig. Oh, maybe if it wasn't HD. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Not just the wig and the Davy Jones looky-likiness. They had yeah. to throw in the questionable accent, which I'm guessing is supposed to be Russian, is it? Yeah. I think it was Ronberry suggested that he should be Russian because yeah. of the whole Cold Space War race. that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least his name's not so on the nose as Scotty. It may be <laughs> Russia's most famous playwright, but at least he's not called Rushy. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk tells Spock that there's not enough time to go to Vulcan, so they have to head to Altair 6. And Spock says, oh, yes, I understand. Later on his sparkly bed... Kirk Skypes Chekhov to ask how late they'd be if they went faster, but via a drop-off on Vulcan. Chekhov says they're already going to Vulcan on Spock's orders. Oh, no, he better don't. Oh, he better did. Kirk stands <laughs> in the doorway of the bridge and asks Spock to come with him. Uh-oh, did your mom used to do that when you had friends over and you'd been naughty? <laughs> No, I think... Did she just tell you off in front of them? I think so. If I was ever naughty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I rarely was, but... Did anything wrong? I knew it was serious if my mum asked me to go into the other room. Oh, yeah. I appreciate she did it rather yeah. than embarrass me, but... Of course, yeah, ooh, yeah. Yikes. In the turbo lift, Spock says that he can't remember making the order, but if Chekhov says he did it, then he must have. Hmm. Kirk commands Spock to sickbay, where McCoy discovers he has extreme stress and crazy high levels of the Vulcan version of adrenaline in his system. McCoy says that Spock will die in a matter of days if they don't figure out what is wrong with him. Aww. So Kirk confronts Spock at his quarters, wanting to know what Spock is not telling him. Spock just says that it is a deeply personal affair and that no outworlder meaning non-Vulcan, mm. may know about it. Eventually, Kirk is able to get Spock to say that it is a matter of Vulcan biology, meaning hot banging. <laughs> no, they don't specify that yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> we sealed it with ritual and customs shrouded in antiquity. You humans have no conception. It strips our minds from us brings a madness which rips away our 
veneer of civilization. It is the pawn far, the time of mating. There are precedents in nature, Captain. The giant eel birds of Regulus V, once each 11 years, they must return to the caverns where they hatched. On your earth, salmon, they must return to that one stream where they were born to spawn or die in trying. Wilkins are supposed to be logical, mm-hmm. but there seems to be a lot of shame associated with Pon Far. Yeah. And last time I checked, shame was an emotion. Mm. So I gives. Agreed. Is he not supposed to have drives and desires either? Maybe if they had to suppress anger because it was destructive, they also tried to suppress sexual desire by mm. making it shameful to avoid any conflict or distraction that it created. Right. It's very complicated because if they feel bad for having emotions, isn't that an emotion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a little confusing and maybe inconsistent. I'm not sure. Are we projecting shame onto it when it's actually just him keeping a secret and being cagey? What's the logical reason to do this? They don't talk about it. Why? It's private to their <laughs> to their race. But why is that? Why? 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 Why is that logical to keep this information private? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as a Vulcan. Oh yeah, I agree. I don't I don't understand why it is logical. Talking about these things, people are sexually more healthy if they discuss it and are aware of of things, especially this. Yeah. If they knew Spock was going to go through Pond Far. Oh yeah, come on. They would have planned for it. So you've got it all repressed like the Catholics, supposedly. Uh-huh. Although my Catholic parents love to make it abundantly clear that they have sex. <laughs> Although I've never overheard them, thankfully. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like with any repression of sexuality, like praying away the gay, it doesn't work. No. Kirk has orders to go to the ceremony and is denied leave. So he calls Starfleet and says, diplomatically, you don't really need me to be there. There are going to be two other ships. You can spare not having a third, but... Mm. This falls on deaf ears because this is a very important diplomatic mission. And mm. if they're not there, then it's going to seem as some kind of a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Point is, the head she says no. Yeah. But Kirk says, screw that. Spock has saved my life more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. And if it costs me my career, so be it. Ooh. Let's go to Vulcan. Oh, he loves it. He does love him. <laughs> and I really, I was kind of touched by that. Yeah. Like he was just, you know what? I don't care if my whole career, everything ever for my whole life goes down the tubes. Wow. Spock. He's my man. He's my man. Well, because, you know, he's... He loyalty. Have a life. Yeah, loyalty have a life is more important. It's great. Fantastic Kirk and Spock dynamic stuff, just like I asked for in the season wrap-up show yeah. we did. Tension, loyalty, intrigue, bit of sexiness. <laughs> Projecting. Okay. <laughs> Nurse Chapel comes in to check on Spock, and she is all weepy, and Spock apologizes for his earlier behavior, and he asks her for some Vulcan soup. I felt uncomfortable with that dynamic. Yeah. You know, I was just saying how it was kind of good that the Rand kind of weak feminine Mm. character wasn't there. But now we've got it with Chapel. Yeah. No matter how abusive he is, I'll just love and cook him better. Didn't like that. Uh, When they arrive to Vulcan, they get a message and it's this sassy looking Vulcan lady. Well, she's not sassy, but she (laughs) has an unusual beauty uh, Mm. to her. And then I remembered that this is the actress from Demon with a Glass Hand. Ah, it's the big nostril, pretty face girl who can be used as any ethnicity or race. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Vulcan. 
Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, she gives Spock some formal greeting and they ask, hey, who's this lady you're talking to, Spock? And Spock goes, it's to bring my wife. What? What? Wife. <laughs> so imagine the facial expression of a wife who's been separated from her husband slash fiance for years and he's Skyping her to say he's finally coming for a conjugal visit. Now imagine the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Poker face. <laughs> well, they are Vulcans. Spock, McCoy, and Kirk beam down. Spock asks them to be part of the ceremony since they're his best friends. And I was like, McCoy? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I guess Spock just needs to get out a little bit more. Yes, Limbickens. Vulcan has a thin atmosphere and is very hot. It's also very dry. It's all mm -hmm. kind of red rocks. It yes. looks kind of Martian almost. Mm. Uh, McCoy says he understands the phrase hot as Vulcan, to which I was thinking, wait, Vulcan is the Roman god of fire. Mm -hmm. Isn't that where the phrase comes from, hot as Vulcan? But is it called Vulcan in English, is that what the, mm. the humans named Vulcan? Also, the Romulan homeworld is Romulus, which is another Roman name. Mm. Maybe named name by either. the humans. Yeah, yeah. Mm, good point. It was not how I expected it to look at all. Mm -hmm. You could see three tiny figures crossing a spindly, incredibly high bridge of rock across a huge cavernous space. Mm -hmm. They crossed to a stone circle in the middle of nowhere, seemingly. The ceremony area is all marble and rock with copper oxide wind chimes and a gong. Which Spock strikes. <laughs> now, that whole big thing with them on the bridge, that was all the HD special edition. Was the there no series. version of that? There is an older version, but it's not, it wasn't quite as impressive as mm. it was on, on the new one. And then it zooms into a map painting of, yeah, of the area for quite so. a long time, doesn't it? Spock says that he and T'Pring haven't seen each other since they were seven years old. Wow. Which is when they arranged the marriage. And it sounded like they had a mind meld or a bond at an early age mm -hmm. to kind of connect them so that when eventually they would get older that they would be up for doing it. Well, yeah. Well, let's <laughs> see if that pans out well. Yeah. <laughs> so they've been in each other's heads since in a way? I, I guess. Well, they just know each other's seven-year-old selves completely. Oh, hey, right. to bring you still into Thundercats? <laughs> I'll watch your cartwheel if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he clarifies that she is not his wife yet, but she is his betrothed. Mm. Spock strikes the gong again. Come on in. Don't embarrass me in front of my best friends. And in walk a bunch of guys in silver helmets, silver chest revealing dresses, black leggings, colorful belts and silver crossed garters. Mm. Wow. Two are holding racks of bells, which they're shaking. Two are carrying a woman. And another man has his ears out and a black turtleneck under his dress. <laughs> then there's also T'Pring in her silver dress and sparkly tights, fancy updo and a face like a slapped ass, as what? they all do. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Just really stern poker oh, face, I think. a slapped ass? How does that, that doesn't make any sense. Face I've never is heard so the expressionless, face. it looks like an ass. Is it? But is it's that slapped, why? Well, I why is think it slapped? A, the slapped ass would be red or something. Is or... it cross? It's been slapped, so it's like a cross face. Hmm. I guess. I've, I've <laughs> yeah, just never, I've never heard, really thought about it. Never heard that phrase before. You know that the little helmets that they're wearing are the same helmets that the Romulans, <laughs> Romulans wore. were wearing to cover up their ears. Yes. McCoy and Kirk are going to be allowed to witness the Vulcan wedding ritual called Kun Unt Kalifi. The mistress of ceremonies is none other than Tapal. What? <gasps> Don't push too far. Your dreams are China in your hand. Ooh, I don't get it. <laughs> do you know that no. band? No. There's a band called Tapal. Tapal, yeah. Oh, they're, they're named after the Topo. I guess. Oh, wow. They what? sing that. Chan in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I got to check this out. I didn't yeah, even know this was a thing. Play a bit of it. 
But anyway, uh, she is a big wig. Yeah, and it's got white plaits in it. Oh. <laughs> oh she's important. She's a VIP. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, Kirk recognizes her. She's the only person to ever turn down a place on the Federation Council. What does that mean to you? As in she was so important. That she didn't need it. She didn't need to All do right. it. So she's like one of the most famous Vulcans alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Known throughout the galaxy. Anyway, this character shows up actually in the prequel series Enterprise and she's young. Could you understand her? Yeah. Yeah, kind she, of, I can mostly could, but. She does have a bit of an accent. I assume Vulcan. <laughs> Why does she have English as an additional language when nobody else has? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there are a few words that she said that were odd. She doesn't say you. She says, is it the, but it sounds like C. Oh, right. Yeah. They kind of have a weird antiquated way of speaking mm. English for some reason. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to make it seem formal and alien. But we've talk. known him this whole time. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so right as they're about to get hitched, T'Pring invokes the Kalipi, which means Spock must fight for her. Oh, come on. So at this point, Spock like hunches over and he goes and stands over in a corner and he's like looking all crazy. Yeah, he's rolling his eyes up in his head. T'Pau says that he is in Plaktau, the blood fever. And he can't even talk now. He's just like in this crazed mental state. This is so harsh. So harsh. She chooses her champion to fight Spock and it's Kirk? What? what? Uh, that is some frozen cold lunch. <laughs> so finally, it's time to be Judgy McCoy. Give your friend some tough love and get him out of this awful relationship. Yeah. But no. This other Vulcan dude, Strawn, he gets all mad at this, but Tapao shuts him up. Spock pulls the strength to speak, even though he's in Plaktau, and he says to Tapao, don't let Kirk do this. And Tapao says, well, since he's human, he doesn't have to. He's not bound by our laws. But Kirk is like, Spock's my buddy. I got to, you know, support him. I'll do it. I don't think he gets it, does he? <laughs> he does not get it. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's being called up to volunteer at some adorable wrestling ceremony. Yes. A bit of pre-wedding entertainment. And he's up for a laugh. <laughs> He'll stand up there with him. So that's when T'Pau drops the bomb. It's a fight to the death. What? Once he's already agreed. Yes. Of course she would wait to tell that after he agreed. So Spock and Kirk are given lerpas, uh, which are these kind of long sticks with a weight on one end and a kind of a spiky triangle triangle thing. I really don't like these Vulcans. (laughs) (laughs) The fight is awesome. And we get that kick-ass classic Star Trek fight music. Wow, it's all happening in this season, isn't Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Just it's, like you promised. <laughs> uh, the fight's pretty good, and the HD mm-hmm. really shows how sweet those stunt guys' moves are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirk makes it through the first round, but is messed up by the heat and by the thin air. Mm. McCoy asks for permission to inject Kirk with triox to make it more fair, and Tapao agrees. McCoy gives him a shot. Oh, well done, McCoy. It was worth having you in the wedding party, even though you're spaced on arranging the stag do. <laughs> <laughs> During the fight, Spock gets Kirk in a stranglehold and chokes him to the point that he dies. Ah. And McCoy confirms it. He doesn't try to revive him, check properly, or look like he gives a toss, but they buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, McCoy and Kirk's body are beamed to the Enterprise. Spock's mating urge is gone, and he talks to Pring, and he wants to know why she picked Kirk. She reveals that since Spock is such a space superstar, <laughs> and she doesn't want that kind of life, she wants to be bound or mated to or married to Strawn, that guy. She didn't want the attention? I guess. Couldn't I she guess? have told Spock this before? 
Yeah, I guess so. But maybe he, she thought he would have stuck to tradition. I'm not sure. Mm. So she chose Kirk, reasoning that if he won, he would not want to marry her at, because, you know, he's just not into Vulcan chicks. I don't know. She doesn't know Kirk very well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and um, then she would be free to marry Strawn. And if Spock won, he would leave anyway because he's got, one, his space duties. Mm -hmm. And two, he would not want to marry her because she asked for a challenge. Hmm. And then again, she would get Strawn. So Spock says that her logic is flawless, which kind of puffs her up a bit. But then he says, having is not so pleasing a thing after all as wanting. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Like, good luck, you deserve each other because you're both assholes. And now <laughs> you've got each other, you won't enjoy it. <laughs> that. Well, yeah, well, I think maybe he was trying to say you're pining after this guy mm -hmm. and maybe it's hot because it's naughty. Yeah. And now that it's not naughty, it's not going to be hot anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Wow, yeah. So Spock goes to the Enterprise and he orders them to go to the nearest star base for his court martial for murdering Kirk. Ooh. And then McCoy's trying to interrupt him saying this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Kirk pops up behind him being all <laughs> little scampy guy. <laughs> And then Kirk says, hey, maybe you should ask me first before you make orders. And then Spock flips out. For him anyway. Well, he does a full on smile and he yells, Jim. Oh. And it kind of goes towards him. Doesn't yeah, he, he grabs him by the arms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got a little, got a little choked up, a little oh. warm. I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. Like his love for him. He can't hide it. Oh, yeah, of course. He's yeah. so happy. But then, of course, he pulls it together, gets back in his cool Vulcan act. And he wants to know, how is Kirk alive? And McCoy mm. reveals that he gave Kirk a drug, a neuroparalyzer, to simulate death. Yeah. Which made me think immediately, he goes, well, what happened if that kicked in a little bit earlier and then he fell down, paralyzed, and then Spock actually did kill him? Oh, yeah. You know, like that. Yikes. McCoy's playing a dangerous game there. Agreed. And also, it's convenient that he happens to have the exact shot that he needs in every situation, even though he's got no bag or anything on well, him. Well, he has that advanced technology okay. where you can make any kind of concoction that you need on the spot. Oh, can you? Uh, sure. It's got every element in it and it just can synthesize any medication or something. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. They get word from Starfleet Command that Tapau put in a good word for them and they are off the hook about going to Vulcan. Because, you know, that lady, she's got pull. Too little, too late to pow. <laughs> I guess she was just doing things by the rules, but stupid rules. <laughs> stupid rules. And here is our lighthearted ending. <laughs> There's just one thing, Mr. Spock. You can't tell me that when you first saw Jim alive that you weren't on the verge of giving us an emotional scene that would have brought the house down. Merely my quite logical relief that Starfleet had not lost the highly proficient captain. Yes, Mr. Spock, I understand. Thank you, Captain. Of course, Mr. Spock. Your reaction was quite logical. Thank you, Doctor. In a pig's eye. Come on, Spock. Let's go mind the store. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so warm. McCoy even looks in the camera almost when he says in a pig's eye. <laughs> McCoy is warming up. Yeah. He's going to be a lot more likable. He had loads of opportunities to be snarky in this one and he didn't take up any of them. No. Some of them would have been well deserved in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so concepts. So Spock was experiencing something like an overload of adrenaline, which would kill him within a week. It prepares the body for fight or flight, rapid heartbeat, high blood pressure, anxiety, weight loss, excessive sweating and palpitations. Those are some of the symptoms of an overload of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So what's the function of that? 
to force him to return to Vulcan and mate? Yeah. Haven't they developed an antidote to keep it at bay until they can safely return? Uh, yeah, later on in Star Trek, they actually have got some stuff about that. Oh. But in this right now, no. I oh. guess maybe because they haven't developed the technology yet because it is so shameful in their society. Hmm. They, he says they don't even talk about it amongst other Vulcan. So Yeah, well, they don't talk about it with each other, but yet they've got this big song and dance with racks of bells and all these random people who don't need to be there parading <laughs> around. Then there's a big fight. It's, it's so showy, isn't it? it well, yeah. yeah. Well, really I mean, it's goes a, against the It's a wedding. Bit. It's a wedding. Weddings are showy and they're ritualistic. And, and this is a holdover from their more primitive culture that they used mm. to have. And so this is probably a holdover from the old ways. Yeah. I don't know. It's barbaric, though, that loophole that T'Pring yeah. invoked. Yeah. Get rid of that. Come get on. Get rid of that. That's, that's ridiculous. And then if he's so jacked up on this Ponfar thing, why doesn't he get angry with T'Pring when, when she's so mean to him? I mean, he threw poor Sidewig out of the room for daring to make and serve him his favourite soup. Why is it okay to only take it out on her? Maybe because it was part of the ritual and he's like in some kind of ritual zone and he's mm. taking orders I, you know i don't know that's a good point mm. so is pomfar a bit like the purge mccoy suggests that the madness is the price they pay for having no emotions the rest of the time oh yeah i guess in a way it's kind of a, a bit of a purge but it's a, mm. a purge by doing it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say at, at one point that it's only males that have Ponfar, but then later on in Star Trek, they kind of retcon that. And then mm. one of the female Vulcan characters goes through her version of it. Yeah. It would be better if they did all feel it at the same time. Otherwise, it gets a bit yeah. salty, doesn't it? Does I don't, it? Well, Spock, she seemed pretty in control, didn't she? Well, and Spock seemed pretty in control, too. I mean, like you said, he didn't jump on her when she said, no, you have to fight a dude. Mm -hmm. But he did have to fight a dude yeah, to get eek. those feelings to go away. So, But why did killing Kurt take the sex madness away? Maybe there was something in, instead of doing it, mm -hmm. the act of fighting. Yeah. You know, that's something that's, you know, high stress and, and adrenaline kicks in for that. And so yeah. maybe by him fighting, maybe not necessarily to the death, but fighting with stakes that are really, really high, mm -hmm. that maybe that purges it out of his system. Mm. I'm guessing here. But then it doesn't return when you found out you haven't killed the person. Yeah. No, because it's already out of your system. Wow. I guess. Yeah. From what we've seen. So couldn't T'Pring say that she didn't want him anymore? She had to do all that to him. Maybe they don't even get married for love is another thing. Even mm -hmm. though later on we meet Spock's father and his mother and his mother's human. So oh, they yeah. seem to be into each other. Oh yeah, and they've got around it, surely. Maybe well. she fought. <laughs> 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 or he just has sex with her. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to have sex with a Vulcan. Why not? Don't you have to be betrothed to one and then only have sex with them? Uh, no, I don't think so. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Mm, we need to know. Spock's mother's name is Amanda. Oh, that's a very, very human name, isn't it? Well, so to bring was logical, surely, but what an unconscionable bitch. Yeah, she was not cool. But Spock acts morally, not just logically, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Not like her. No, she is not a good representation of the Vulcan people. No. This episode was written by Theodore Sturgeon, who, funnily enough, we're covering a short story of his this week on my other podcast, the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. At hppodcraft.com. What are the chances? But he also wrote the episode Shoreleaf as well. Oh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. This episode was actually supposed to be in the first season, mm -hmm. but Sturgeon was kind of late with the script and oh. the writing. <laughs> really late. Yeah. So it got moved back to the first episode of the second series. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Spock. Mm -hmm. They want more. They're like, well, what's a Vulcan? What's what's his home planet oh. like? What's all this? So Theodore Sturgeon created Live Long and Prosper is from this episode. He wrote that. 
Oh, right, yeah. And we're, they did the salute thing for the first time. That's right, that as well. And Ponfar is his invention. Oh, I like that it was the first use of Lift, Long and Prosper because actually it was very poignant, wasn't it? Because he said something like, I'll do neither. Because he'd kill Kirk by then. Oh, right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. There isn't any really crazy high concept things mm. in here. But there was some interesting things to think about, like a very kind of different culture, an alien culture that works in ways that we don't quite understand. Yeah. So I was engaged with that on that level. So I give it a seven. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a six. It was so promising at the beginning. But then for me, I just couldn't quite reconcile what I was seeing with what I expected Spock's culture to be. Oh, okay. I could see that. So entertainment. Really, really enjoyed it to start with. Fantastic performance by Nimoy. The mystery unfolded at a nice pace on the ship and it was fascinating to see his anger and his struggle to repress that. Mm -hmm. He was ridiculously evasive about it, but I guess it was just to pace out the information we were given and build suspense and interest. Yeah, but I also thought it, it really conveyed this sense of shame that mm -hmm. they had about their sexuality and, yeah. and that stuff. And I thought that was really interesting and a yeah, weakness. True. Wow, okay, you've got an issue with this. That's kind of weird. I wasn't so keen on the costumes. We had the rugby helmets again to avoid yeah. the ears. Yeah. One of them had a black mask kind of pointed yeah, over his face. Really what distracting. Heck? Yeah, he was like kind of, he had this ceremonial axe kind of invoking an executioner yeah. with that mask maybe yeah but it was really weird yeah. and very distracting like the mask was wearing him it was yeah. it really was <laughs> it was a sparkle fest all the sparkly fabrics were on to pow I didn't think that they were going to be so sparkly Vulcans oh, yeah. I thought they'd yeah. be more dour but... I did they'd nope. be way minimalist but maybe that's just the ritual for you oh it could be great wigs though all the ritual stuff just made me uncomfortable Wandering around in a circle, shaking a rack of bells. <laughs> I don't buy it. Is it an Eastern link that they're trying to go for with the Vulcans? I think they were just trying to mix it up and make it feel different and alien. Mm. I, I really liked it. I was super into it. Uh, I've always liked this episode and coming back to it, I liked it even more. I, was, yeah. I got more out of it this time. Good fight, although I felt so uncomfortable by then I didn't enjoy it. I really liked the fighting. It was a good fight scene. <laughs> I was very impressed with McCoy at saving the day with his injection. I wouldn't have minded some of his anger at the Vulcans, actually. They were real assholes. <laughs> <laughs> the bantery ending was pretty lame and forced today but yeah. you can't do it there it has to be on the bridge so nine for the first half six for the second half equals 7.5 i'm gonna give it a nine Ooh. because i just really enjoyed this episode there's just so much going on there's so many wow moments like what <laughs> when you can rewatch something and it still gives you that feeling and it's it's gold so <laughs> good a nine Sexiness. T'Pring was attractive and she had sexy hair and makeup, but she was such a stone-faced meanie that she loses all her points. Yeah. And then T'Pau was striking and sexy too, but again, no points for her. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would like to have seen Spock more horny and sexy, so that's another missed opportunity. And but, I didn't like him being mean to Sidewick, so oh, yeah. three. Oh, wow. I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, if I give it such a low sexness rating, it's not going to come near the top of our episodes, is it? When it actually is really <laughs> no, good. Well, don't be strategic. Just be honest with it. I'm giving it a seven because the whole thing is about sex. Like, it, <laughs> I, I can't be but none... But nobody has any. Exactly. So that's why it's a seven, not a ten. <laughs> but the whole thing is about Spock has got such a raging boner. Yeah. That all of his discipline, everything is going away and he's got to get it. Why can't he just jerk off? Because that's not going to cut it. <laughs> he's tried that. He's, I'm sure that's he's what tried happened, that. That's what was happening when Sideway came in. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he threw the soup out. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah. Maybe that's why she looked so sheepish she was going to go on offer. Yeah. Wow. Hey, now. Mm -hmm. She's got a variety of wigs she could have dressed up as to bring. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that concludes the first episode of season two of Star Trek. And wow. I was really enjoying that. Our next episode is called Who Mourns for Adonis? Ooh. And uh, this is another episode with an omnipotent being kind oh. of thing going on there. But it's kind of zany. Uh, good. Yeah, I think you're going to be into it. Okay, good. Rachel, thanks for watching Star Trek with me. I really enjoy it. Oh, and, you, and thank you to our friends at La Belle Esplanade for your support. Oh, yes. It's a beautiful hotel. It's a great blog. Go check it out. LaBelleEsplanade.com. And of course, thank you patrons for being awesome oh, and kicking ass. You. you guys are beautiful angels. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Heike. And I'm Rachel Lecky. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek!